Thanks for joining us again, you guys. Today on episode 452 of the I Am Salt Lake podcast, we are joined by Timothy Riggs, owner and operator of Dead City Haunted House. We got to talk about his history of engineering, his love for haunted houses, and how he has dedicated his life to creating fantastic mechanical monsters for our enjoyment. And with this year being so crazy, it was really cool to see how he innovated to bring us some Halloween time fun, because who knows how much Halloween time fun we're really going to have this year. Absolutely. You know, it's so cool to talk to Timothy, and it was so, it was interesting to see what he did with these monsters. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to spoil too much, so we're going to get into that conversation we, we should introduce ourselves, though, Chrissy. I guess that's uh, before a good idea. we get into the conversation, introduce the hosts of the show, who are uh, you and I. <laughs> my name is Chris Hollifield. And my name's Chrissy Hollifield. Hey, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, you're asking yourself now probably, like, what is this show about? What am I about to listen to? What is the theme of this podcast? Well, Chrissy and myself, we're talking to all the awesome people here in Salt Lake City. We're talking to business owners, comedians, authors, tattoo artists, restaurant owners, breweries, distilleries, haunted house owners. Indeed. We're talking to all the cool people here in Salt Lake City. Like Chrissy said, it's the it's October. It's hard to believe it is. It's It's literally the best month of the year. First episode of the month. First episode Mm -hmm. of October. Mm -hmm. That's why I think this Dead City Haunted House uh, conversation is so cool to have up for the first episode of October. Let's get in the mood, man. Let's get in the mood. Uh, Are are we doing trick-or-treating this year? I don't know if trick-or-treating is the thing this year. Okay, I've seen, like, so I'm on the Nextdoor app, right? And I love watching people in the area talk about that stuff. And I think some people in our area are doing, like, socially distant um yard things for kids and i don't know i'd love to learn more about it and even like if you guys listening are going to do trick-or-treating or review ideas for trick-or-treating this year hit us up let us know call up our voicemail Mm -hmm. 801-613-1592 you could text or call that number i want to know are you trick-or-treating in your neighborhood i mean because i'm assuming you're in the salt lake city area and if you are uh, please give us tips because i i would love to do it i would love to trick-or-treat i want to have as much october joy as we can right i just don't know how yeah so this is a good start though go to dead city haunted house (laughs) And it's also local, so I know you guys love supporting local. Lucky for you, we have a list of awesome local businesses at supportsaltlake.com. These businesses support our podcast. They believe in us and we believe in them. And we have some great supporters, including Hugo Coffee Roasters, Elevation Chiropractic, Woodland Advisors, and more. The entire list of supporters is at supportsaltlake.com. All right, here's that conversation that we had with Timothy Riggs when he shared the story of Dead City Haunted House. What a great story. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Enjoy. Anyway, I like to uh, I like to start right at the beginning, man, like where home is, where where you spent your childhood, where all that magic happened for you. Okay, so uh, the city I moved into used to be Hunter, which is now part of West Valley City. And uh, back then there were fields between all the houses that between Granger and Hunter was, you know, nothing. And that all just filled in. Um, so I grew up out there, little elementary school, junior high. Um, I went to high school across the valley over to Skyline, uh, which was a choice I made to try to pursue technology. They had a good electronics program and a computer science program. Um, and so I kind of went over that direction. Um, I was mentioning in my neighborhood, there was a, a home haunter who did a fabulous display. He probably had 20 different creatures that he made out of uh, plywood and then painted them with glow in the dark, black light paint. 
And uh, at Halloween time, you know, it was just one street over. We'd go over there and he'd play scary music and all the black lights made everything glow really eerie. And it was the coolest thing. And uh, I just, I tried to emulate one of the ghosts sometime, but I didn't know the secret of black light paint. And it just was a miserable attempt, but that's probably one of the things that made me love Halloween so much was this house that was in my neighborhood. So that's a lot of fun. Would you say that that house was kind of a big inspiration then for starting uh, your haunted house, Dead City Haunted House? I, I'm not sure. Um, it, it certainly had an impact to me. I remember the the look of the glowing under black light creatures, and that may possibly be part of why I enjoy our own 3D section to the haunt. Um, we have a, a large black lit. Uh, UV paint section, just because I, I I just love the way that looks. So that was part of that, I'm sure. When I was in high school, like I said, I was studying electronics. We had some great electronic classes, and I loved technology. I loved special effects. Um, lasers were new back then. The plasma balls were new. There was there was you know a lot of fun technology, and so I am a person who needs fun projects to help me learn dull science things. So uh, I would build electrical kits um, in my class and I made strobe lights and I made plasma balls and I made color organs and light chasing devices. And as long as I could apply it to something entertainment related, I was happy learning what I was learning. So um, during the school time, uh, I remember going to an old haunted event called Haunted, Haunted Woods at Wheeler Farm. Uh, it's possible it was also the haunted forest. I can't remember, and the, it was a it was a fabulous event back then. And they had this effect that was a beehive uh, effect, and and so you heard the bees buzzing. Someone had built an old beehive. Uh, you were walking on a little wooden path beneath trees, and someone hooked up a, a a wooden frame above the pathway and hung from the frame little dangling wires that came down and they'd make contact with you. And then they had energized that little, those little wires with a, a safe, but high voltage elect electricity. So as you went through, it literally felt like little pinpricks hitting your face, hitting your arms, and you couldn't tell what it was from. And there was this bee sound coming from next to you in a beehive. And, and I, I was enamored by that. I had to stop and look and try to figure out what in the world is going on there. And uh, I saw the little wires, I saw the setup um, and realized from electronics class, hey, that's a special kind of electricity. And you could see little little arcs where the wires touch people. They would glow with a little purple glow. And, uh, and you know, I was blown away from it. And then in my electronics classes, as I was playing with old television sets, you know, I touched the flyback transformer from a, an old tube television and it would it would glow just the same way you'd get a corona discharge. And so I'm like, hey, this is the same thing that I learned about. And so for a um a spook alley for one of the dances at at the uh at the school, they let me do the spook alley. And so I had a I think a Jacob's ladder that I built in the class. And that's the old Frankenstein type thing that, you know, the little arc climbs up and goes that kind of thing. We had one of those and some strobe lights and some tinfoil in the hallway. But at the end I set up this setup at a witch's cauldron and a sorcerer's cap or something and i'd say something like you know beware there's magic in the air and i'd hung on the roof this apparatus 
with the wire from an old television set from the flyback transformer to all these things. And it did, you know, the exact same effect, although probably a little bit more intense. And um, everyone who came in had no idea how we were zapping them. And uh, one of the fun stories is we had the school cop who came through. He couldn't figure it out either. And he was cowering down, begging us to turn it off because he couldn't figure out what was going on. So, <laughs> now, was this wow. high school? This, this was high school. I was I graduated from Skyline High. Yeah. And so this is this is probably my senior year that I did that spook alley. And, uh, you know, I loved it. Uh, I remember going through the Honold Mill at the time and seeing their Tesla coil at some point in my high school years and trying to figure out how in the world do you build a Tesla coil. And that's a that's a lightning generator. I think there's threw off arcs that were two to three feet long. Uh, actually, oh, I just wow. remember one of the interesting things is in my haunt now, I actually have that same Tesla coil from the old haunted mill. It got passed on to the Nightmare on 13th, and then they traded it to me. So I have a piece of the old haunted mill from 20, 30 years ago here in my haunt, which is just some fun nostalgia. Oh, very I, cool. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Share the story about Dead City. How long have you been doing it? Uh, what's the story, how it started, all that good stuff? So um, I've loved haunted houses. Um, I have done various ones over the past year. I'm sure we'll probably talk about those things. About 10 years ago, one there was a haunted house that opened within about a mile of my house. And the first year... There was two different groups. The first year, it didn't really look like much, and I didn't even bother going over that. But something changed the second year. Maybe they got a searchlight or something else. And um, I said, hey, let's, let me go over and check this thing out. I hadn't, I'd been out of haunting for a couple of years after doing another event and got tired of it. Um, so I went over and went through the place. And I'm like, hey, you know, this is actually pretty good. And at the end of the event, um, I ended up, asking for the manager and called him over and said, found out who it was. And I said, um, you know, uh, like your event here, but I think you need skills that I have. I don't want to work for you, but I'd like to be part of the business. So is there an opportunity to be, to be part of, of this organization? And so I came, came to learn that it was, um, it was part of the castle of chaos business and uh, they had two locations at the time, and I got to know both of the – I guess it was kind of a group of, of owners from the business. I learned who they are, and they liked my skills. And so I ended up actually buying into that conglomerate. Um, I bought a piece of the business through cash, props, and labor, um, and then I became part of a working, operating haunted house. And so that was probably 10 years ago. And it was literally one mile from my house. So it was really easy to pop over, build some stuff, uh, come back home. I wasn't the one managing it. So it was a lot of fun. I didn't have to deal with any of the problems. I could just you go could just in and make build fun cool creatures. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a perfect sort of thing for a while. Yeah. And um, so as part of that conglomerate, um, I ended up putting more funding into it. You know, I'd worked my engineering job and then have extra investment stuff uh, left over. And so we expanded that business, um, opened a location in Riverdale, um, and helped them open a location in Orem. And uh, we were operating in the same, well, I guess during that time, we'd also lost uh, an old location on 33rd South. So we had one in Taylorsville, one in Riverdale, and one in Orem. And it was a, a family center that was owned by uh, a conglomerate that owned multiple properties all across the U.S. And 
they probably see saw the sign on the wall and said, let's get out of these storefronts, the big box stores and things, and they ended up selling all of their properties. So three different companies bought three different family center locations, and each of the new people came in, and they're California types, and like, what? is a haunted house. <laughs> it's a retail place. You know, they, they had no idea. And so we ended up losing three, three locations over the course of two years. And, uh, it was rather painful. So during that time, I knew I loved haunting. Um, I was looking at, you know, going off on my own or trying to help the business, the castle business. I ended up funding them to open their Midvale location, um, but it was, a, it was a smaller location compared to what we had in Taylorsville. And, you know, I tried there for a while and didn't get along with a few folks or they didn't get along with me or something. I'm not sure. And, and I decided, let's start looking someplace else. So I came up with the name Dead City because mainly it's just a web name that was available. So I bought that and then I started making a a smaller event at the Utah State Fair Park. The thought was there's a lot of people who come to the state fair. It, it's it, I could do something that would be the right size for me to manage. Let's give it a go. And so that was probably five years ago. Um, we took some of the props and pieces from our Riverdale location, um, lots of walls, wall panels, and I used those at the event. And then I built several automated pieces. We used actors from the castle group. Um, and then opened two thousand square foot. They were had wooden walls, but a tent membrane flat top. Tried it out at the fair first year. It didn't make money, but was crazy enough to try it again the second year. Um, the second year I broke even, and the third year I thought, why am I doing two of these? I really could do the same thing with just one. So I cut the event in half and made more money <laughs> from it. We moved the location a little bit. And uh, that was great. You know, it was a profitable event after three seasons. And uh, along the way, it paid for me to build more monsters. I hired sculptors to do creatures. We made more automation. And I slowly moved from an event that had mostly actors to do the scare to an event that had mostly machines that did the, the scare. And as I watched the people go through, they didn't know the difference. They were terrified coming out. And because of my engineering background, I just, I love the machines more than the, the people issues or aspects. <laughs> it's just funny. So well, machines aren't that, late that for final work. Year, <laughs> what's that? Machines <laughs> machines aren't late for work, you know, and they don't have that's, excuses. That's true. <laughs> they don't. No. <laughs> you know, you, the Terminator. They never get sleepy. They always come after you. They're they're pitiless. They. <laughs> what's, what's the line from that movie? <laughs> they will never tire. They will they will continue to pursue you till you're dead. So it's funny. All right, we're going to take just a couple of minutes now and tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, one of my favorites at least, Market Source Real Estate. Hey, we got a lot of listeners. I know they're looking to move to Salt Lake City. Like listener David, he was sending me a message at the beginning of this week talking about moving to Salt Lake City. He didn't know where to go. Well, guess what, guys? I have a good answer here because if you are thinking about moving to Salt Lake City, if you're looking at finally getting out of the rent game, if you're looking at finally buying a house of your own, you need to contact our good friend Monique at Market Source Real Estate. The cool thing is, is she actually helped us find the home that we're recording this episode of the podcast in right now. For real. And when we were home home shopping with Monique, we went to so many places. And then this place, this house that came on the market, 
the second it came on the market, we found it. And I was like, Monique, get me in there. I need this house. And she did. She jumped on. Which is so hard because the market is crazy. You know, it's hard to get a house that you really want. And she did it for us. For the last 20 years, Monique has been specializing in helping people just like you and me buy and sell homes in the Sugar House as well as the greater Salt Lake area. And they also have a background of flipping houses because they've owned like 20 older homes themselves. So they know the ins and outs of older homes. And I was actually really grateful for that because, you know, I don't want to buy a new home. I really love the architecture of older, beautiful homes. So they can also help you if you're in an older, beautiful home. They specialize in helping sellers update or repair their homes to increase their value and make you more money. All right. Like I said, like I was telling listener David, uh, he's looking to move to Salt Lake City. And if you're looking to move to Salt Lake City and you're looking to buy a place of your own, call Monique at Market Source Real Estate. She's rad. You can find her information, thinksaltlakecity.com. That's her website. Tons of rad information there. Tons of articles about stuff in Salt Lake, all that good stuff on her website. Or just give her a call directly, 801-810-6773. And when you give her a call, let her know you're a listener of the podcast because that would be really cool. And uh, many thanks to Market Source Real Estate for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. So you're currently open now for, for yes. people listening. Um, what are your hours? What's your location now? Uh, what's Give us the rundown there with like uh, all that. So as a, as a connection, I leapfrogged from the State Fair event to the larger location. Uh, and I actually operated both at the same time in 2017. Uh, and we used the State Fair Haunted House as advertising um, and ticket sales for our larger event. So I had been, I had been, you know, I had a profitable business that was hunt related. It was a ton of work, but I was looking for a way to do this on a much larger scale. So I was looking at every vacant building I could find, every storefront that I could find, trying to find the right mix um, between location, building, creepiness, all of those things to try to to get the the business aspect correct. Because I've seen a lot of haunted houses come and go over the years. And it, it's it's part of it's probably the luck of your of the draw. Part of it's probably your work ethic. But you know, I've seen a lot of places close down. So, I was looking for a good location. The place that I'm at right now, it's on Vine Street in Murray. It's at 5425 South. Uh, Vine Street is 700 East. And as luck would have it, this building that I'm in is right across the street from the second oldest cemetery in Utah the Murray Cemetery. I don't know if you've driven by there before. Oh, yeah. But they have, you know, this the, the oldest oldest cemetery is downtown, and the second oldest one is here in, in Murray, if you didn't know that. So I'm right across the street from it in a big 30,000-square-foot building. In the 60s and 70s, it used to be a dairy. It was renovated sometime in the late 80s, early 90s to be a Western restaurant. Um, if anyone remembers, it was called the Wagon Master restaurant. It was huge. You ate in covered wagons and it was all Western themed. They had gunfights inside and, you know, it was a bar and convention oh hall. And, That's like a yeah. Renaissance. It's like the night thing, but for Western, I didn't even know someone did yeah. that. That's really cool. Yeah. It was really neat. So, and, and I'm a, besides being an engineer, I'm also a professional working magician. Oh, wow. And uh, I put myself through college by performing. And so I was I worked at this place called the Wagon Master on Saturdays when they had three-hour wait times to go eat in their place. I would 
go around all the people waiting and do magic tricks and and uh, entertain them. And so that same building is part of a, a you know more of a story, I guess, of how I ended up doing my haunted house there to over 20 years ago. And we can talk about that. But I was aware of that building. I had driven by it, found that it was vacant, and it took me quite a while to track down the owner for the property, convince them that, hey, you should let me come and do a Halloween event. And um, and that was quite the ordeal. He said, you know, I've had lots of people approach me on this, but, you know, you have experience in the background. And, and somehow I convinced him that, that I could do what I said I was going to do. And so the building is massive. It's a 30,000 square foot building. It's on two levels and it's old. It was vacant for many years. From what I can tell, people actually died in that building uh, in various times. So that's that's kind of fun. That helps. It's like free, uh, f- free help. <laughs> free spiritual <laughs> yeah. help. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, between the cemetery across the street and and uh, the the deaths on site, we've had folks come do paranormal paranormal investigations and. And uh, they say all kinds of stuff happens. I, I haven't attended any of them. I've been less interested. But I was like, go ahead, have some fun, and do your investigation, and say all kinds of fun stuff happens there. So it's kind of interesting. <laughs> I would actually love to do one of those. <laughs> that may, maybe one day you'll let me go in there, that's check your, it out. That's your maybe thing. So. I don't know how to you talk. You got to go in it at night when it's all closed down, and that building gets gets really creepy. Like the old firefighters in the town talk about the restaurant and they say, you know, we did pull people out of that place who choked on a steak and, you know, they died there. So that was interesting. And then I heard the the, the guy who reads the meter for Murray City said, you know, I've been doing this for years and years. And right in this room, there's an apartment upstairs and the cook from the old restaurant, when the place closed down, he didn't, he got really depressed and he ended his life right here in the building. And so... So if, you know, you believe in that kind of stuff, that's, that's great fodder for, you know, ghosts and spirits. And, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Hey, what's up? This is Chris. I'm going to take just a couple of minutes and tell you about a podcast class that I am starting here in just a couple of weeks. This is a course that I've created to show the beginner podcaster everything that they will need to record, edit, publish, and grow their very own podcast. You're going to learn how to choose subject matter, what equipment you need to create a quality podcast, how to record, how to edit, how to find sponsors, and how to publish your podcast to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, and tons of other audio outlets. No more piecing together all the information off the internet, you guys. No more throwing away money on outdated podcasting books or wasting money on the wrong podcast equipment. I am going to help you out with that. If you have ever wanted to start your own podcast, you're going to want to join. This class is hosted in part of the University of Utah Lifelong Learning Series. That means you don't need to be a student of the University of Utah. Everybody is invited. So go to IamSaltLake.com slash podcast class. Type that into your web browser. This is going to forward you over to all the information where you can sign up for the class. You can uh, join myself and all the other classmates where we're going to learn how to launch a podcast. We're going to learn how to get your podcast up there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, like I was talking about. This is going to be awesome. Again, IamSaltLake.com slash podcast class, and I'll see you in a couple weeks. I want to talk about how long does it take to get like a haunt together? Like, 
So say for the haunted house this year, when do you start putting it together? Like way back in April, May, maybe, or does it take that long to put it together or how long does that take? We really didn't stop um, developing. So the lucky thing, one of the things that I really wanted to do with the haunt was have a year round location. So I didn't have to tear it down, set it back up. Um, I had done temporary events. The state fair event was a temporary event. Um, I built one, haunts for the Utah Fun Dome. That was a temporary event. Um, and I did another event for Hollywood Connections in West Valley City. That was an outdoor tent event. And it was hard to have to set everything up and then tear it right back down again. So I didn't want to do that because to get the quality of the event, you need to keep all the walls in place and, and pick and choose what you're going to develop for the next season. So after last year's event, we did a, a Christmas haunted house um, with a Krampus theme that's a germanic tradition and so we we decorated the whole haunt with christmas lights and it was a it was a fun combination between halloween and christmas and uh, that's actually we won a nationwide award for that event the the haunt con group selected our event as a for an award nationwide said hey this is something new something different they did a stellar job and so um so that you know, we won for that. They brought us back to the national convention during the February timeframe. That was a lot of fun. We also did a Valentine's Day layover. So we were open. Uh, the, I think Valentine's was a was a Friday this last year, and so we did a new theme. It was a vampire Valentine's. Um, did a new process where they took little blood vials. And they had a quest throughout the event. The vampires were trying to get the blood vials and the patrons were trying to keep them away. And at the end, if you could keep it, then you could, you know, insert it into a, a special shrine that then, you know, gave you a prize kind of thing. And people just loved it. That's cool. So Wait, that is between, so cool. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And so we, we experimented with those two off-season events this year to see if they're viable. And, and as part of that, you know, we did quite a few build items to get the shows ready for that. But we were also trying to figure out how we do a new, better, bigger season. And so we end up shifting walls. We build characters. We build props. Um, we had started trying to start up a production company to sell our unique monsters nationwide to the haunted house industry. Scheduled a booth at the big, the biggest Halloween convention in uh, St. Louis for March. And that's when COVID happened. And so a week before our convention, they called us up and said, we can't do the convention. It's, it's closed. So we had some fabulous monsters. I think the thing we built five life-sized characters to, uh, to try to sell nationwide this year. And we ended up just having to put those in the haunt and use them in our own haunt instead of selling to other places. So, so we've literally been building all year uh, since since we closed the doors last year till now, um, oh, wow. which is which is hard to realize. Yeah, our haunts haunts really build all year long just to try to stay new and fresh. Was there ever a moment this year that you thought, well, maybe we can't do it this year because of COVID? Did you ever worry oh, yes. that like I wasn't go you weren't going to be able to do it? I am still worried that something will happen. Uh, to be honest, I mean. There's there's the worry about my crew. There's the worry about my own health because I'm I'm 49 now, and mm. that puts me in the risk area. So, you know, there's you think about the patrons. Um, there's certainly things out of my control. The government can mandate closing. Um, we had uh, a riot downtown that actually ended up closing one haunt 
that had planned to open during the summertime, they opened one night and the next time they were closed because of rioting. And who would have thought here in Salt Lake City that would have happened? You know, anything could happen. So it was, it was really scary in that March timeframe. We had been planning on trying to, how do we increase our show? How do we increase our attendance this year to suddenly, how do we survive? How do we open a haunt in a pandemic year and keep safe? And there was a lot of soul searching to try to figure out what what is this, you know, what's the pandemic about? How risky is it? How do you open and how do you open safely? And so since that point, everything from March to now has been, you know, we have done some sets and some other pieces, but it's really been about safety. How do I protect my actors? How do I protect the public? How do I do things differently than we've ever done before to still celebrate the fun Halloween holiday, but do it safely? And, uh, you know, there's several things that if you have an interest in it. Yeah. What you know, I'd, be, yeah. I'd be curious, like what you're having to do different. Maybe that's even like, you know, yeah. What's I'm, well, it's, a, yeah. It's, it, it seems like it would be a tough challenge because a lot of people who go there want the actors to touch them or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like people who really want to be scared, yeah. really want to be scared. And that's a little too close. We had the levels of death before this event happened. And what, what that means is like level two is your normal go through your haunted house and the actors jump out and they scare you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's your traditional haunted house. And then level one, we call it a death be gone and we give you a glow stick. Um, and you can hold it up as a wand to then wave away monsters. And it's a great option for kids who want to go through or anyone who's older that really doesn't want to be scared or is too terrified. You can just hold this up and we train all our actors that, when someone comes through with the death be gone, you know, you, you shy away, but you also ham it up too. Like you give them the power. No, it hurts me. It burns. Put it away. How many people so end up getting chased by toddlers? Is what I want to know. <laughs> you know, we do have kids that by the time, you know, they get through the end of that, they know they have the power and they love wielding that wand around because it, it literally makes the monsters fade away and it really empowers them. So, so we do that. And That's then awesome. we do, um, like the touch, touch of death, um, you put a glow necklace around your necklace, around your neck, and it says, hey, you can touch me. And so we have done grab your legs, grab your arms, you can be moved around. It really amps up the scare because you never know when someone's going to grab you. And, and we like to do that in places and times when they just don't expect it. We haven't yet implemented the level, the fourth level, which is, you know, being able to pick people up and move them around and lock them in places um, because, it, you know, we're working on training our actors to do things safely and we just didn't do that one yet. So, uh, but I love the touch. It's so scary when someone can really grab you and people love it. They just absolutely love it. Not everyone, you know, there's different levels. We try to try to make it for everyone, but. I'm in the monster you know, wait, we'll, category for yeah. sure. But we have folks like I talked to someone this year, like last year, they put me in an ice chest and I loved it. I was like, okay. And it was, it was a girl and we have, you know, we'd put them in coffins and shake them around. Our vampires would, would put you in a coffin or, you know, we've got doctor's chairs and our scientists would put you in the doctor chair and, you know, have little dentist drills and other things. And we're really trying to implement and scare them to whatever level they were at. And then this year it was like, you know, I think everything touch is going away and we're, we don't feel safe enough to be able to touch patrons this year, which is really sad because it's so fun, but we're just lucky to be able to, to open. Some of the other safety things we did was um, 
because of my engineering background, I of course love machines, but I realized any mechanized scare monster, it's not going to get sick. It won't get you sick. I can put those mechanical things right next to the patron without them being, being afraid. And so we did a heavy push this year to put everything mechanized into the show that we could. As I mentioned, we had built some fabulous monsters for the big convention. So we just moved them right into the show and built probably another 50 different creatures this year. Um, I counted them up today and we have over 150 automated effects and animatronics in, in the property. Oh, and wow. I, I believe that's more than any other other place in Utah. I mean, that's a lot. The maintenance and, you know, would be hard yes. for someone without your background. And and I do end up fixing things quite a bit. You know, I weld, I built the computer brain behind behind a lot of these creatures. It's my own development. I wrote the, the code for it. I laid out the circuit card and made it just exactly the way I want, wanted it. And so I use a lot of those and a lot of other industry things. But because I know this, the material inside it out, I can build it uniquely, fit it in just the right location, and make it really scary. And so some of our machines are just eye candy, big, cool monsters that are amazing. You walk by, um, they're just fun to see, and they're also perfect distractions for actors because when people are looking at them, they're not looking to where the person's going to come out. So they're perfect distractions. And then we also have Scaretronics, which I've got things that bang, things that shoot water at you, things that shoot up at you. We call them corpsepults, that they launch bodies up towards you and then back down again. It's horrendous fun. You can't tell, you know, when something comes shooting at you, you don't know if it's an actor. You don't know if it's a prop. You have, you just react. I have to say, I love the term horrendous fun because that it literally <laughs> sounds horrendous, but people think it's fun. Haunted houses are great fun. It, I think it's a safe way to get your adrenaline junkie rush. You know, it's the same reason why you go to ride a roller coaster at amusement park or you go skydiving or you ride, drive your car too fast. It, there's something we get as human beings about doing adventurous things that we then somehow benefit for. And I think if, you know, when teens um, or young adults come through the event, you get that adrenaline rush, you kind of have that chemical high for a while, and then, you know, you, you adjust to it well, and then when your life depends on it, because you you learn to address your fears, maybe you you know respond better in a real life threatening situation, or at least you know you feel more relaxed and able to do the doldrums of your day job when you know you've had a fun adventure. So you know, entertainment is very important to our our society because a lot of our day to day life jobs are really dull, and you can only continue to do that if you can offset that with amazing adventures. And I think that's why people are thrill seekers. They're they're looking for for an adventure to offset the doldrums of life. Yeah, scare me. I just like a good movie, but you know. Now I don't know. How, Do you watch scary yeah. movies? No. Oh uh, no. Yeah, Chrissy. <laughs> <she's> <laughs> not a, I'm a huge baby. <laughs> now didn't we did a haunted house together? Didn't we, Chrissy? Didn't we? Go I to a haunted house? don't think I, I did. We, did. we visited one, but we didn't go through it because I I haven't done it since college because I hurt one of my friends. Cause I you, got wait, wait, you got to tell me this story. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Well, Did I hear this story? Well, I mean, I don't know. I was up in, uh, I was up in college and I took a bunch of friends. We went to the haunted, whatever, haunted forest or whatever. And one of my friends that I grew up with since we were little was there with us. And he's, he was a bigger guy. Like I'm much smaller than him, but I got so terrified. I don't even remember what did it, but something got close to me and I freaked out and I took him down. Like I ran right <laughs> into him and knocked him over. <laughs> 
And then, then I was like, I don't think I'm going to do that again. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm, what I'm amazed at, how old were you at the time? Oh man. When you, when you did that? 18, maybe 19. Okay. So that event made a memory that has stuck with you for years. And, and I think that's truly the power behind haunted events is because you have the, the conditions to make something really strong. You know, you have the fight, you have the flight mentality, you have, you know, your adrenaline's pumped up. And, and I talked to person after person and they always have some kind of a haunted house memory, whether it's they got scared or a friend got scared or they remembered something cool. You know, 20 years later, 30 years later, 40 years later, they can still recall something very vivid about attending a haunted house. And I recognize that there are not many events in life that make that that you do that. You know, your your memories fade. Anything that's dull or boring disappears. But there's something about the magic of a haunted house that you can generate memories that last forever. Even if you're terrified and you had a terrible time, you still made a memory that you never ever forget. And and I think there's a value behind that experience. And that's why people will pay money to go to these things because you're making memories when you're not, uh, when you're not busy with the haunted house, man, what are some of your other hobbies and interests? Tell me a little bit about Timothy. So like I said, I'm, a, I'm an electrical engineer. Um, I work for a defense contractor in Utah. So I have a 40 hour a week day job. I have been a performing magician for the past 30 years. And, uh, I, uh, I have a amusement park gig typically that I've done for a long time. I've the latest, the latest one has been at uh, classic skating, we have a little stage off to the side. I love making kids laugh. I'm very slapstick and silly, and you know it's it's a lot of fun to use the skills that I've generated over the years to make that laugh. Um, I was at Hollywood Connections in West Valley for seven years. I was five years at the Utah Fun Dome. I did three years at Lagoon, um, and it's more of like a weekend warrior kind of thing where you know I've just always performed at some level, and uh, I've probably done five thousand magic shows wow. in my career. Do you just like and, being in uh, the spotlight or what? You know, it, it's interesting. It, I got really good at, at being a magician. I was an apprentice to a magician when I was a kid, junior high and high school. I was this kind of nerdy science kid, but because I was listening to someone who was funny and entertaining all that time, I kind of assumed a different side of me that could do emulate that. And so, you know, I'm, I'm of course interested in the money side of it too. And so I found out how to do shows to make money and then have continued to, to, to use that. I am, after a while I realized, Hey, you know, I have, I've made enough performing magic to pay for my house. And, uh, that's very respectable um, yeah. and probably more, that's more than impressive. that. So yeah. It is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have, I have a big stage show. I've got to cut the girls apart, stick the swords in tricks and you know, the levitations and all that kind of stuff. I don't do as much of that anymore, but I had the largest magic show in Utah at, you know, for a lot of years. And, and so, uh, was it just your name or did you have like a fancy magician name or what? I, it was the magic of Timothy. The magic so, of Timothy. The magic of Timothy. Now, yeah. did you ever do clowning? You can still look it up online. I still got the website, you know, magic. No, it's actually Utah magician. You know, I'm you can... literally looking that up right now. So. <laughs> hey, <laughs> <laughs> I have to know. Yeah, I've got some videos and some other, you know, some stuff. Some of the photos are a bit older, but, but I'm still really good. And, and, uh, up till March, I was still a performing magician. And this has been, you know, since COVID happened, this has been the longest time frame I have not done a magic show for 30 years. And, uh, you know, it's been six months and no one has really, I think I got one, 
one potential call like a week or so ago and they haven't responded yet. It's been very odd to not not have people call you to do corporate stuff or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I did a lot of festivals, you know, the outdoor days, you know, the, the fairs and things would pick me up and do stuff. And it's been really, you know, frustrating to not be able to have that outlet because it was wonderful. And I love making people laugh and be amazed. So, well, next summer, man, next summer, you know, next year, I guess, maybe. Is well, we hope. We'll, t- <laughs> we'll take it back. So, yeah. So between, uh, I'm also a dad. I have two kids. Uh, one's off doing an LDS mission right now. The, my daughter's up at Utah State and I'm empty nester right now, which is odd. Uh, so my wife and I are trying to figure out how to how to live without kids here all the time, which has been really interesting. Well, we could just bring ours over and then you can have them <laughs> and that would solve everybody. <laughs> I don't know. We worked really hard to bring them up and shoo them out of the place. but That's fair. I, I guess now they come back. I think my son comes back in February. My daughter's, you know, coming back in after Thanksgiving for a while. And, you know, life will be normal again, I suppose. Do, uh, do, does your wife or kids ever get involved with anything with the haunted house, performing or anything in there or no? My son loves it. Um, he has been acting with me in the shows for probably eight years um, through our, our Castle of Chaos time and then the State Fair haunts. And, and he absolutely loved the first couple of years that he was able to do it, um, at our dead city location. You know, he, he absolutely loves it. My daughter and my wife, on the other hand, hate it. <laughs> so, my, my daughter did the first year in 2018 when we opened, she did come act. Um, she liked, she did kind of enjoy scaring people, but it's not her thing. Uh, my wife helped run the ticket booth and, uh, she just said, I just don't like that atmosphere. And, uh, so she's been kind, she's helped, you know, build some things and she did a lot of the cleaning of the place, which I, I adore her for, but, uh, but my wife and daughter are not haunted house people, but my son is. So that's cool. Man. That is cool, man. Cool. I can imagine if I had to help at a haunted house, I'd end up just like chasing people and hugging them. Being like, I'm sorry, it's okay. It's okay. Everything's fine. I'm like the haunted house mom. Let's, uh, we need to shift direction. There's a few Salt Lake City, uh, questions we ask everybody that comes to the show here. Uh, a few standard ones. Uh, you know, we have family and friends. They visit town. They come to town. Maybe they're from the, you know, another state at, you know, East Coast, West Coast. And they're like, show me around. Give me the tour, Timothy. You know, where do you take people usually? Like you say, you have an afternoon to give people a tour. Do you take them to the mountains? Do you take them downtown? Is there a building or I don't know? What, wh- where do you take people, man? We have done the Temple Square downtown um, things before the tours. We have, uh, I like the canyons. I, I like to hike. So we'll go up to Silver Lake around, uh, I think that's up to Brighton, mm-hmm. walk around there. We've had run-ins with moose. That's pretty amazing. Um, uh, the wintertime, we like Alta's uh, cheap deal uh, after 3, 3.30. Um, I take my kids up there for, you know, a decade to learn, learn skiing. And that's been a lot of fun. Um, uh, sometimes I, I enjoy Southern Utah. I've got family. My, my parents, or uh, my dad came out of Kanab, Utah. So we, we would go down and explore the red rocks. I love Zion's. I love Moab. I love Kanab. I love like Powell. Um, you know, the hiking down there is just great. So you know, I think that's more of what we would do, more outdoorsy stuff. Love the canyons here in Utah. And uh, every once in a while, I think we've done the Salt Lake once in the last decade or something. Um, but that's that's about it, I think. 
What about any favorite local eating spots? That's another favorite I ask here. You know, see see if there's like one or two favorite places you like to grab lunch or dinner. Let's see. We like we have Cafe Rio right by our house that we we like to go over and go to. We like Zupas. Um, there's one over in the West Valley Mall area. We had a really favorite Mexican restaurant that unfortunately became a, an escape room center right next to another haunted house downtown. That was that was uh, unfortunate because it really was our favorite Mexican restaurant. But I think I do enjoy taking my wife up to Park City. And uh, usually it's just go look at all the art up and down the main street. And then, you know, let's go just find some some restaurant. Um, we visited quite a few of them up there. And we also like Midway. Midway's fun to go up to and spend a day and go to the hot pots or we've, we've done the scuba diving thing up there before and, and uh, go have lunch up there and it's just fun. So. Very cool. Is there anything that you would change about Salt Lake city or about the Valley or the area? It needs an ocean. Yeah. There, there. <laughs> if, like, like, and again, I like the way your mind thinks. I mean, I'm talking big here. I'm talking crazy <laughs> big, you know, like, like some people just say, well, you know, maybe the traffic or something. It's like, well, okay, that, that works yeah, too. Yeah. But you know, I like the way you think. I, I love walking on sandy beaches and, and the waves that, you know, I, yeah. I just, I love the ocean. So yeah, if you could just turn the salt lake, you know, clean it up and give it waves and, you know, a bunch of sea life, that'd, that'd be perfect. But then all the, all the rich people would move in and you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be able to afford anything here. So, um, what would I change? Uh, I think city planners could think ahead longer and do a better job with the freeway system. You know, it'd be great if you could build it. So it would be great for 20 years as opposed to just two and then you rip it all up again. Uh, but when I get politics and how the budgets work too, um, I, I like how the city's laid out. I like our grid system. It's easy to figure out where you're going and how to get where you're we're looking for. And I really, you know, I think that was a smart way to, to view the city. We've got great families here. I love the, the family aspect that I think is really still strong here. Salt Lake is a youthful place. Um, I think that's healthy. We have a lot of good education places nearby, a lot of great colleges. So I like the diversity and the education level that we have. And, and, you know, there's more and more technical businesses that are calling you to home. And uh, I think that's that's beneficial to anyone who's willing to study the STEM fields and, uh, and get the skills to, to really help take I mean, our economy, our country to the place that it needs to be. And even some haunted houses. Haunted houses, I think we have a really strong haunted house culture here. We've had really, really good ones compared to a lot of the rest of the nation. We've been really lucky here. And, uh, you know, I think um, people know that, and that's part of the reason why they come to haunted houses is because we've got really good quality events here in Utah, and it's it's unique, actually. You know, there's there's not a lot of places in the country that you have this number of events that are this good, um, and so we're really lucky to have that here. At least I am, because I love this kind of stuff. So, let's. Uh, how can listeners? What's the website? Let's run down the list as we kind of wrap this episode up here, Timothy. Like, if they want to come check out your haunted house, man. Yeah, deadcityhauntedhouse.com is our website. Uh, you can find it, find us on Facebook at Dead City Haunted House. You can find us on Twitter at Dead City Haunted House. You can find us on YouTube uh, by looking up Dead City Haunted House. Uh, Instagram is again Dead City Haunted House. So uh, I chose that name more because it was available on the. I like I like you know the name and it was available on all those different platforms. So um, so that's how you find us. 
Last year, we our keyword was 50 rooms of fear. This year, it's actually 60 rooms of screams because we added some more things to it. So, you know, Google us online. Uh, Haunted Houses in Utah will be one of those that you can you can find. Um, but yeah, DeadCityHauntedHouse.com is what you're looking for. Very cool. Very. Was there anything that you were hoping we would talk about that we didn't get a chance to talk about, Timothy? You know, I think the aspect, maybe more of the safety. You know, we, we talked about what, what are we doing for safety's sake. Um, we, we mentioned that we have more machines in the place. I, I built in our event pathways above our wall system this year that I can locate our actors above the show. Um, and we've created a system of marionette puppets that an actor from above can affect down below. And we did that strictly for safety because, you know, the head of a person where they're breathing is up six or eight feet above, six to eight feet above the patrons. And so, so we have, we have this upper level that the actors can make things happen down below, which, which no one else, uh, I haven't seen that anywhere else before. Um, we installed in the event um, several Air cleaning devices, we actually use UVC lights, which is a medical-grade disinfectant. They use them in to purify water, to purify hospital rooms. We installed about a dozen of those throughout the event, so we're constantly recirculating the air through those. And the UVC is a, is a very particular high-energy type of UV light, and it kills bacteria and viruses. We clean our show often. Um, most of the actor scares happen from a little bit further away than we have in the past. We mentioned last year we were touching them. This year we've tried to put something between the actor and the person, like a, a big barrel that they come flying out of something with a baseball bat and they smack the barrel. It's still horrendously scary, but you're further away from patrons than you have been in the past. Um, or we have several little pop-outs where actors will be behind the walls they have a, a panel that drops or a curtain that they can pop out momentarily, but then they fade back away behind the wall system. We we built a big line area out around the front of our building so that even when we're busy, we can keep people eight feet apart from, from groups all around the beginning of the building. Uh, and then all throughout our haunt, um, it's social distancing all the way through. Um, we took out any mazes that you might run into other patrons. So it's continuous one way. You're pacing yourself. You always stay six feet apart from any other group. And and really, we've done that for the sake of safety. We, we've got to keep our patrons safe. We've got to keep our actors, actors safe. And uh, the way we, we've situated the haunt, you know, you're going down eight-foot tall walls, eight to 12 feet, actually. Um, you're six feet apart from all groups. And, and literally, I like to say it's it's as safe as going to a grocery store where you're walking down an aisle one direction. You're apart from everyone else. And, and you, both the actors and yourself are required to wear masks. We really take the, the safety seriously and we want, you know, everyone to be, to be able to have, enjoy the Halloween haunted house season, but to be safe. So, and so I, I appreciate that. Safe. I yeah. appre- I appreciate you taking it seriously. I, I appreciate it, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners. Uh, and That's I appreciate sure. you coming and doing the podcast with us, or you know, doing the podcast this way with us today. Uh, you know, I know it's uh, it's a little different doing it over the phone like this, but it works. You know, it gets the point across. You know, I'll put the link at IamSaltLake.com so people can go to uh, check out the Dead City Haunted House site, and it looks like you can buy tickets online there too if you want. Uh, yep. to buy some tickets. And we, we actually encourage people to buy tickets online. The, the, it's two bucks cheaper online than it is in person. We did that purposely to try to discourage them. You know, we still have the ticket booth, but it's cheaper online. Um, but we did that strictly for the safety sake. We'll give an extra little payment to our ticketers and the folks that need to touch and interact with people. But 
yeah, buy them online and we don't have a time ticket system. Some of the other haunts do. You buy a ticket, it's good anytime during the year. And and our our adjustment was that to make a longer lining area outside that allows more people to be distanced on site than we've ever had before. And so, you know, but my ticketing is a great, great way to go. Very cool. Chrissy has a final question. She asks everybody that comes through here, Timothy, I'm going to let her ask the question. Thank you again for coming and doing the show. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe I'll run into you down at dead city, right? Yeah. Come get scared out, out to the event. Come on out and, you know, scream some. You guys haven't been for a long time. Get the get the Death Begun glow stick so you can, you know, wave it at people if it's too intense for you. Well, before we let you go, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Could you leave our listeners with a motto or piece of life advice? First thing I'd say is, you know, make a goal and then work every day until you've achieved it. There's been a lot of things that I've set out to do, whether it's doing a magic show or getting an engineering degree or building a massive 30,000 square foot haunted house event. It's been so much work to get this thing up and going and it took make a goal, work every day towards that goal until you make it happen. Thanks again to Timothy for joining us on this episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. You can find all the links to follow him and any information that we talked about in this episode at IamSaltLake.com slash 452. All right, it is time to give some thanks to our Patreon supporters, our awesome supporters, our frontline I Am Salt Lake podcast supporters. If you are unfamiliar with Patreon, what it basically is, it's like an ongoing support system, Kickstarter. Basically, it's a way to keep this podcast going because there's a lot of ins and outs of it, you know, Mm -hmm, uh, between mm -hmm. equipment and billing and this and that. If you go to patreon.com slash I am Salt Lake, you could find out more about it. But every month we kind of go down the list and read everybody's name, give them some thanks, give them some love because we love them. We do. And I just love to say thank you guys so much for supporting us. The more Patreon supporters we have, the more content we can create, oh, which absolutely. is just so awesome. Yeah. So let's uh, let's run down the list here. I got uh, some. Well, we got great supporters like Mark Copeland, Nick Naylor, Brett Schmidt. Todd Bjorklund, Tim Haran, Michelle Stevens-Williams, Christopher A. Heiser, Brandon Hill, Alex Santi, Jay Chambers, Sana, John Miller, then we got Brittany Hemingway, Eric Tomorrow, and if you're not listening to Mediocre Show, go check out his podcast, uh, Nicole Davison, Three Irons SLC and Nikki Line from over in New Zealand. Um, Nikki and John over there. Thank you, everybody. Like I said, go to patreon.com slash I am Salt Lake. If you want to become a Patreon supporter, I mean, you could do it for as little as a dollar. That way we know you care. That way you know you love us. <laughs> right, guys? And It's and, like saying thanks to your mom once in a while, you know? And do you give a dollar to your mom once in a while? Like, um, maybe? If our kids gave a dollar to me once in a while, I'd be super stoked. It's kind of like buying us a cup of coffee once a month. Yeah, right? like, not like a big it's, deal, it's, but it makes us feel like a, so great. a little tip, right? <laughs> but uh, hey, we got weekly recommendation time. It is uh, time to give our recommendation of something we're enjoying, something uh, that we want to share. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, do you have a recommendation, Chrissy? Uh, of course I do. You so if you guys follow me on wherever, Instagram, Facebook, social media, you know that I'm super proud of my kids. And one of my kids is an amazing artist who has done tons of different things. Um, she just won a cake decorating competition. Oh, yeah. Over yeah. at the uh, the um, at the sweet one sweet festival. One she sweet, won. the yeah. Youth. Yeah. yeah. And so she's just really into art and creating and I'm helping her 
uh, understand how to use her talents, she has started an Etsy account. It's Hell Baby Arts. You can also follow her on Instagram, Hell Baby Arts at, at hellbabyarts. I was going to say .com, but that'll work too. Yeah. Um, she's creating, she's going to start doing custom clothing and she's been making jewelry and it's just kind of a, all the different aspects of art, but mostly jewelry and clothing is what she wants to get into. So just follow her, give her a heart every now and then. I just, I love seeing young entrepreneurs really be motivated. We've talked about her slime that she's made oh, yeah. before. So Dude. she's the same one who made the yeah. slime. And she was so, made, she yeah. like did good with that. And then yeah. she was like, mm, I don't love slime. So well, I was I'm just thinking for the stuff. listeners that maybe are familiar yes. with that story that we shared. of her. That's true. Right? She's our entrepreneur. Yeah. Hardcore. Well, well, they all kind of are. They all but, kind but of are. She definitely has a little more. She's, she's a little, she just goes for it. It's so, yeah. she makes more stuff than we can sell. So Go follow her. Yeah. Hey, so my recommendation, I'm pretty sure I gave this as a recommendation before. It is a the Pod Cruncher podcasting app. That is a good one. I get people ask all the time, and I figure there's new listeners of this podcast. People might be curious. So I figured I'm going to recommend it again because I love listening to podcasts. It's the Pod Cruncher podcasting app. I have an iOS. I'm pretty sure it's on Android, too. I think it did cost me a couple of bucks. Sometimes I, I like it's worth it. It's, it, it's man. easy to organize. It's easy to uh, delete episodes, to subscribe. I love it. Check it out. It works for me. I need to try it because I've tried yeah. so many and I'm not really in love I've with had any the same, of them. I've had that for years. Hmm. And yeah. just, it, it works. I know for you've me. recommended it, but yeah. you know when your spouse recommends something, you're like, no, nah, yeah. I'll try that later. <laughs> yeah. He's no good. But, uh, hey, everybody does it. Everybody. Oh, man. Well, don't forget, you guys, you can always visit our website at IamSaltLake.com and listen to our entire back catalog of episodes. And if you are someone or you might know someone who's interested on in coming on the podcast and sharing their story, send us an email at hello at IamSaltLake.com or call our voicemail line 801-613-1592. All right. You guys have a great week. Get out and enjoy the city this week. It should be a, a beautiful week. Support local. And we're going to see you next week on the next episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. And good night, Grammy. <laughs>